Amen. Well, it's great to have you here this morning. Great to be worshiping with you. And man, we are going through a series called All Authority. We are talking about the authority of Jesus Christ and the greatness of Jesus Christ from eternity past to eternity future. He is awesome. And all of God's people said, man, all authority is his. And uh, you know, Pastor Mark launched this series a couple weeks back and then Pastor Steve last week. So we got two weeks in of understanding the authority of Christ over all things, over all things. And uh, that's just an awesome celebration for us to be able to grasp. So each week we're going to be walking through a facet of Jesus' authority. Like what is it that we can celebrate about who he is and what he's in charge of? And man, you just got to get the lay of the land. You got to think of what these people were hearing at the time of Christ right? Some 400 plus years before the time of Christ, there were prophets who were writing and they were talking about the coming Messiah. They were talking about this celebration that would be had, this king who would reign forever, this forgiveness that could be had. And they could barely grasp what he was talking about. The Messiah, like when he spoke, people would actually be in awe. When he touched, people would be healed. They were reading about that, and they couldn't imagine it. And in that moment of their lives, Christ walked in, and he began to introduce himself as that Messiah, the one spoken of 400 years ago. He began to introduce himself as the one who could speak and control anything, anywhere, all the time, because he has all authority. That's our king, man. And so as we dive in today, we're going to be looking at celebrating the authority that Jesus Christ has to forgive sins. He has the authority to forgive sin. So turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. First point here, it says, come to Jesus in full faith for forgiveness of sins. Come to Jesus in full faith for forgiveness of sins. As we come to him and trust in him, as we believe that he has died and he has risen, as we confess him as Lord in full faith, man, we can have forgiveness of sins and we'll see that unfold here. So it starts out chapter two, verse one. And when he returned to Capernaum, and when he returned, everybody say returned, right? Capernaum is a huge deal. We're going to talk about it a little bit more in just a second, but this is kind of Jesus' hometown setup. Like when he moved from Nazareth up to Capernaum, about 30 miles away, just to the north side of the Sea of Galilee, he set up shop in this town to be able to do a ton of miracles and teaching. Capernaum, it became the hometown of Jesus, and so he's already done some miracles in Capernaum. He's already done some great power teaching, and after it, he went out and he began to heal in the countrysides. Like he literally walked up and touched a leper, right? Everybody say, you never do that. <laughs> touched a leper, and the leprosy was gone. And he says, don't tell anyone. And the leper's like, okay. And then the first thing he did when he went away is tell everyone. And so he began to spread the word around and Jesus was getting well known in the whole area of Galilee, that area on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. He was getting to be famous. And as he returned back home 
to Capernaum, the buzz was out. It said when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. It was reported that he was at, like the buzz got out. Like somebody's walking down the street and they walk past Jesus and they go, that's a guy, isn't it? Isn't that Jesus, the one who came from Nazareth, the guy who does the healing? And, and, and then he goes home and he's like, I just saw Jesus. He's back in town, man. And they're like, are you serious? I'm not kidding, man. He was walking around. He was talking. He was joking. He was relaxing. He's back in Capernaum. And everybody started to spread the word. It was reported that he was at home. And uh, this was a place that Jesus came back to regularly to get some levels of rest and relaxation. But this was also the place that Jesus came back to to bring miracles and teaching. It was a huge moment. Capernaum. You know, it's a... It's a really big deal city, and it's a really small city all at the same time. It's important that we grasp how small it is. Capernaum, it was probably somewhere around 1,000 to 1,500 people max. When you think there was maybe four to 10 people in a home, depending on the size of families back then, right? You're looking at 100 to 200 homes max in the town of Capernaum. It's not big, right? And it's up on the north side. It's actually right on the water, Capernaum. And uh, it's this little tiny town, but with a massive import. You know, in fact, when we went to Israel this past fall, John and I were in Israel in October, and uh, we actually went to the town of Capernaum and hung out there. We actually legitimately had a chance to stand in the synagogue right where Jesus spoke, as we heard Pastor Steve speaking of last week. And as he said to the demon, come out. We were there in that place where Jesus taught and they were in awe, where there was miracles taking place. And as you looked out, you could see the stone foundations of the homes that were from the time of Christ, legit, still there, like down, kind of knocked down, but you can see them about knee high, most of them. And just a few homes down, a few streets down, was what they believed to be the home of Peter, which is where his mother-in-law was healed. That's the place Jesus went right after he spoke in the synagogue. We heard Steve talking about that last week. As he spoke and he put him in awe, then he walked a few streets down to Peter's place and ended up healing the mother-in-law of a fever. And we were right there in that place. And I'm telling you, it's awesome to be able to see it. I just thought it might help to see the pick, to grasp the smallness and yet the strategic nature. Let's just go ahead and throw a slide up here. Um, this is a picture of Capernaum that we're throwing up, and uh, you can see how small it is. You see the kind of the white building there next to the tree? That's the synagogue. Now, they actually rebuilt it a little bit, so that's kind of built in the three or four hundreds there, but underneath it was the synagogue from the time of Christ. Right there at that spot, you can actually see the foundation from the time of Christ right there, and see all those little kind of gray like squares around it? That's the homes the foundations of the homes. And you see that circular thing that's up close to the water there? That's actually a church they built right over the house that was Peter's house. And uh, there was some etching and statements in there about it being Peter and Andrew and related. And that's Capernaum. Can you see the walk from the synagogue to Peter's house? It's like two streets over, man, right? This is the town of Capernaum. Small, everybody say small. And yet strategic. 
It was on what is called the Way of the Sea or the Way of the Philistines. If you were to go from uh, over on the southeast side or the southwest side of Israel all the way up over to the top, you would have to come around this horn and right past this spot. Everybody would come through this town. This was kind of a pass-through point. And so this was actually called the area that is Galilee of the Gentiles. Matthew in chapter 4 actually spoke of this spot and he said, listen, Jesus coming to Capernaum was an answer to prophecy because it said that light would come to the darkness, that the Gentiles would get to see and hear. It said that the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, some tribes that were living right here in this spot, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali would have lightness come. That's Jesus coming to this spot strategic, and as everybody passes through here, Jew and Gentile, they are actually rubbing shoulders with people who have rubbed shoulders with Jesus. This is beginning to spread the word that the Messiah is here. Man, it is absolutely important that we grasp when we read and you see the town Capernaum. Don't miss it. Whenever you're reading in the Gospels anymore and you see Capernaum, you're like, God's doing something there. Like, this is a big moment. This is a big deal spot. Capernaum, it's the hometown of Jesus. It's right along the path as you move across the way of the sea. It's the way that everybody came through, Gentile or Jew, and they would have come past this city or town, if you want to call it that, or village, if you want to call it that, or, or just a few homes, if you want to call it that, strategic. By the way, take a look at how close it is to the Sea of Galilee, right? right there on the sea, absolutely gorgeous pick. And you can kind of see back off to the right, if you head sort of to the corner of that picture, you're headed to Nazareth. And uh, 30 miles that way is Nazareth. This is the Sea of Galilee. By the way, Sea of Galilee is only a few miles across, four to six miles, depending on where you're at. Really kind of a small body of water. And that's a small body of water and a small town. And that's where Christ went. And yet everybody passing through is going to get the word out. Everybody just say, God has a plan. Right? God has a plan. It's a huge deal. All right, it says, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. He's back. And, uh, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. Right? They went and they packed in. Wherever Jesus was staying at this moment, the word got out and the people came. Do you think? Right, the word that's out is not, hey, there's this guy. I mean, you know, he's a really nice guy. You'd enjoy talking with him. You'd get a good laugh. He shares, he gets you laughing. He, he'll, it's a great deep talk. In the, that is not what they're saying. What they're saying is lepers are healed. Demons are responding. Authority in this man. You don't want to miss out. Man, come and rally and anybody who was sick, anybody who was hurting, was trying to get close to Jesus at this time. They packed in the house. In fact, it packed all the way to the door and spilled to the streets. Many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. It says, and he was preaching the word to them. Jesus, again, speaking with authority. And it doesn't say what he was speaking, but I got to believe at some level he was beginning to share the purpose of who he was and what God was going to be doing with the kingdom. And uh, it says he was preaching the word to them. 
And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. There was a guy who couldn't walk. Now, we're not sure how much paralyzed. Is this just like the legs don't work? Is it, you know, is it just losing the legs or is it losing the whole body? We don't know. But at some level, this man is not able to walk and hasn't been able to walk for a long, long time. He is either injured or deeply sick. It's not clear what was happening, but it said they came bringing a paralytic carried by four men. Can you imagine the conversation that went down between those four guys and the paralytic before they did this plan? Just imagine the little chit-chat as somebody comes in the room and they're like, Jesus is back in Capernaum, man. And, And it doesn't even exactly say where they came from. But one of them had to be like, dude, we should get you over there. What do you think? Or or maybe it was the paralytic who said it. Would you guys be willing to take me over there? I mean, can you imagine if he could heal me? That would be awesome. And they're like, we should do that. Let's do that. Let's say we're going Uh, now. Let's go. And so they get him on this bed and they take him. The four guys are walking. And you got to remember, the crowds have already thronged in around the house. They're filling into the streets. These guys come up and they're like trying to get, excuse me, can we, can we get through? Can you see we have a need? Can we get through, please? And people are like, I got a need too. No. And they're all standing in a way that won't let them in. These guys are trying to break through to get close to Jesus with one of their friends. And the five of them have a plan here to try to get some healing to go on. As the four men with the paralytic approached, it says, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, right, there was no way to come down the street, they removed the roof from above him. I'm just telling you, if the first part of that sentence started for me and they could not get through, the second part would be, So they kicked back and waited for the crowd to release and go, and then they waited to catch Jesus and waved him over and called him over, and then they had a little talk there. It took a long time, but these guys are like, all right, that's it. Let's rip the roof off. Let's do it, man. Can you imagine being inside that house as Jesus is speaking, and your jaw is dropped with this awesome unbelievable insight as he's talking and moving and the room there's just clearly a God presence in this room and all of a sudden something hits you on the head and like you look up and whatever it is that the material is made of it's kind of a stucco plastery kind of stuff they put over the top just to let the water run off but then underneath it it's just easy simple stuff they're like tearing it off and the light comes shafting down in And you're looking up like, what are they doing? Why did they choose today to do construction on the home, right? (laughs) What are they thinking about? And as they're beginning to look up, all of a sudden you see this bed getting moved over. Like they've got a plan. They tore the roof off and it says, they removed the roof from above them. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. It does not say how well that went. (laughs) I'm not sure that that was a very balanced moment. You know what I mean? They had to have brought ropes or something. They tied on either side. They're letting them down. And there's a moment where you're like, you ready? Okay, okay, here we go. Right? And you're like, dude, slow down. What are you doing? 
we're going to lose him. Stop it. Okay, there we go. Better, better. It had to go like that, right? There's no way it was this just really easy. Good, we're cool. Everything's fine. No way it was that. They're letting it down. There's a little bit of panic. You're getting one side longer than the other. You're trying to, and they get this thing let down, and it's set down right in front of Jesus. And they moved past the crowd, and they had brought the paralytic right into his presence. It says they removed the roof from above him, and when they had made an opening, they let the bed down on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, and let's just hold there. When Jesus saw their faith, you got to imagine Jesus is teaching, he's speaking. And as he's sharing and as he's relating with them, as he's connecting and looking at eyes and people are looking back at him and they're nodding like, that's amazing, that's so true. And Jesus is talking, a roof starts getting ripped off. Jesus is speaking and he stops. (laughs) You look up, everybody gets quiet as they're looking up and the room opens up and down comes a bed and sits next to him. Can you imagine the moment that Jesus comes over and he looks down and he connects eyes and he looks up and he connects eyes. Look at the next phrase. Son, your sins are forgiven. I got to tell you, there are some that read this and they read this with anger and I think they're missing it all together. They're like, your sins are forgiven. Like, that is wrong, man. I got to believe there's a moment in here where Jesus looks down and Jesus looks up and he is absolutely in awe of what he's seeing and their trust in him and their hope in what's happening. And he looks back down and a smile breaks on his face as he looks at the guy and he smiles and he says, your sins are forgiven you. What's the answer you would give if you were up on the roof? Yeah, that's not why we brought him. <laughs> Wouldn't it? What's your point? Are you saying the sin is causing the paralysis because we're waiting for something else? That, that's, that, that's nice. We're really happy for that. Thank you for that relational moment. There's something, right? There had to be a moment where you're like, did he say? <laughs> that, I just, none of this is in there. This is the gospel according to Tim. So <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, I got to believe there was a little bit of confusion about what he said, but he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. It's a huge deal. You know, this past week, we, uh, uh, we went and celebrated the 4th of July. We went to the fireworks down in Peoria. And uh, I love the fireworks. I used to always take my girls to the fireworks. And, and uh, as we got older, we kind of stopped going to the fireworks a little bit. And, and uh, so we did the third. We went to the Morton fireworks. We parked in the truck, sat in the bed of the truck and watched those from a little bit of distance. And then we went over to the Peoria fireworks, but we actually got to about Coles and we're like, you know what, maybe with the crowd, we'll just kind of hang back. We went up on a little hill there and uh, saw a few friends. Uh, all right, I'm just going to tell you guys. So we saw Brian and Shelly Camden. So we walked up. They didn't know we were there. And so I set my chair like dead in front of them and sat down. 
they didn't know who we were, you know, Shelly's like, what in the world is this jerk doing? There's all this green space. And I sit right in front of them, right? And, uh, and then we turn around, they're like, oh, it's you, right? We had a good moment just connecting with some friends, spread out on the grass a little bit. We watched the fireworks. I'm going to be honest. The fireworks were a great visual. But you know how when you're really close and you feel the boom? We did not feel the boom. So our goal is to get close. All we said was, we're getting closer next year, right? And we've been down on the riverfront. We already experienced that right underneath it. And then we experienced this from a ways out. And we're like, it's great. The visuals are awesome. And you see this awesome fireworks going off, but there's so much to experience underneath it as the ash falls on your head, right? And I'm just telling you, that's exactly what these guys were saying about Jesus Christ. They're like, dude, I was there when. I've heard the stories about when Christ moves. I've seen him teach and the room is rocked. We're not standing on the outside waiting. We're going and we're getting to the inside. We're going to get close. I can't wait for the glory of God to thunder in that room around you. We're getting close to Jesus. Man, make sure that you get close to Jesus in full faith and watch God bring a forgiveness of sins along the way. May we celebrate the one who has died and risen. May we believe in him and confess him as our Lord. May we hear the phrase, your sins are forgiven. That doesn't happen from a distance. That happens as we come up close to him. And all of God's people said, so simple question, how are you doing at getting close to Jesus? How are you doing in full faith, drawing near that God might get the glory? Okay. Point number two. Come to Jesus in full faith for so much more. Yes, come to Jesus in full faith for forgiveness of sins, but come to Jesus in faith for so much more. It says, now when the scribes were sitting there, and some of the other gospels actually have summarized this a little bit deeper and a little better, they said, just so we're clear, the scribes and the Pharisees from Jerusalem and from all the surrounding towns had gathered together here in Capernaum. The buzz was out that Jesus was back in town and he's been healing and he's been teaching like none other. And so the scribes and the Pharisees showed up to see just what he was having to say and do. And the scribes were now here in this synagogue, in fact, the very synagogue area that we had been in, and then they moved over to the home, wherever this home was, just a few homes away. They were ending up connecting with the people in the town and hoping to make an impact. It says, and some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, questioning in their hearts. Have you ever been in that moment where there's something you believe is wrong, but you're not sure you should really say anything? And you're trying to figure out when you're going to say it, but you just think it's wrong. And you know there's some body language going on where you're like, mm -mm. right? You're getting a little head shake going. Maybe you're pursing your lips like, what in the world? Or maybe you're doing this, right? There's a body language that comes with a questioning from the inside, for sure. 
And if these guys had their act completely together, so they were trying to hide it all, where they're putting a smile on and they're like, mm-mm, can't believe he's doing that. Like, we don't know exactly. I believe the body language was probably showing it pretty big. It says that Jesus was actually very perceptive here. They were questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? This is the question they were asking in their heart. They were like, why in the world would he say, son, your sins are forgiven? He doesn't have the privilege of saying that. Here's the reality. Those scribes have their theology nailed down. They are absolutely correct. Only God can forgive sins. And then they missed who Jesus Christ is because only God can forgive sins. And as Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you, Jesus is saying, I am God. Welcome to the God of the universe standing right in front of you. And their theology was rock solid right up to the point where they got introduced to the one their theology was about. And then they missed it. And they slipped on who Jesus was and they didn't grasp it. Why is this man saying this? It says, and immediately... Uh, how fast? Right. Mark loves the word immediately. And immediately, Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, he said to them. So Jesus is now perceiving what's going on. He's grasping what's happening. And maybe it's because he's reading some body language and he's seeing a head shake. He's seeing the the arms cross. He's seeing them seem to stew inside. Maybe it's just because he's the God of the universe and he can read souls and hearts and he knows exactly what's going on. Whatever is happening, Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they were questioning in their spirit. He says, why do you question these things in your hearts? Man, you got to love that moment. Let's just get it all replaying and going here. Jesus is teaching. He's bringing the points as he's clarifying what the scriptures say. He's going Old Testament prophecy and he's revealing out the hope of him and the kingdom and whatever else he might be sharing. He's calling them to it. Their jaws are dropped. They're like, so true. It's amazing the authority he speaks with. And all of a sudden, the roof's getting ripped off. Light beams down through. All of a sudden, they let down the bed. It comes right next to Jesus. He stopped talking. Everybody in dead silence is watching. As he looks down, and he looks up, and he looks back down, and he smiles. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven you. And then he looks over, and the scribes sitting right there, whether they're shaking their heads or folding their arms or they're just questioning in their soul, as he looks over, he grasps what they're thinking inside, and he says, why are you questioning in your hearts what I've just said? You've got to imagine he's moved away from the bed. He's moving closer to them as he's bringing the challenge to their soul. Can you imagine being those scribes? Where you're like, mm -mm. and then he goes, why are you questioning? Well, uh, I didn't say anything, right? You know that's what they're thinking. 
They're like, I've been quiet. And uh, he says, why are you questioning these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? All too often when we read scripture, we read it too fast. Read with a delay on that. As Christ looks down and says, your sins are forgiven, and he lets it settle. And then he looks over. Why do you question in your hearts what I've said? Which is easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or rise and walk? Which is easier? What is the answer? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Like you're forgiven? Or get up? Which is easier? Real answer. Go ahead. Just say it out loud. Yeah, I mean, you're forgiven. Why is that easier? Because you can't measure it. Right? He's like, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking I've addressed the spiritual. And there's no way to measure it so I can get away with it. Time for you to see something you cannot explain. Hang on. He says, which is easier, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. I'm just telling you, I do not believe he said this soft and quiet. I do not believe he whispered this where the people in the back said, what did he say? That's not what happened as he thundered it out. Which is easier? And they looked at him, and he says, that you may know, purpose statement, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority. Has what? Has authority to do what? To forgive sins. The purpose of this healing is to convince that sin can be forgiven by Jesus Christ. Don't miss it. The purpose of this healing is not that this man may experience comfort now for the rest of his life. That this man may experience the joy of running in the fields now. It's not that. Everybody just say, not that. Dude, it's not that. And while those are great, and while there is comfort in what he's about to give, he has a purpose coming down. There is authority in the Son of Man to forgive sin. Know this. Jesus Christ can forgive sin. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Don't miss it. He can forgive. And so he says, son, your sins are forgiven with a smile on his face. Doubt. So he comes over and he says, you hang on. Which is easier? All right then, now that you've got the answer in your head, check this. I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. I love that go home part. I'm not sure why that's in there, really. Like, pick up your bed, don't wander around. Dude, you're a wanderer, don't do that. Like, I don't know what the guy's thinking. Go home, right? This is what I want you to do. Rise, pick it up, go home home. This man 
had every passionate moment declared to him that he was hoping to hear. As they let him down, as the four are looking in the hole, and they hear him say, your sins are forgiven, and they go, well, that's nice, but that's not why we're here, man. And, and, and then he walks over and he goes, why do you doubt? What's he saying? What do you think? Which is easier? And rise, stand up and walk. Can you imagine that moment? As the four of them are standing there and they grab each other and you're holding on like, oh, here it comes. Dude, you got to experience the tension in that room as Jesus Christ is unleashing that he is the Messiah. He is Savior. He is Lord. He is King of kings, and when he speaks, it is. That's our God. He declares it out with all he's got. I love that he moved from the spiritual to the physical to be able to bring hope to the room. We'll get to what happened in just a second. And how's your week been going? How has your month or your year been going? Man, are you experiencing a grind like never before? I'm telling you, this has been a hard year. A hard year. We have had a lot of heartache that we've been coming alongside of. We have been having a lot of struggle and hurt and pain and loss. There's been a lot of tears as we've shed with and shed for and prayed for so many. And so many of you in this room, even right now, we love you with all we've got. What is God allowing in your life that you might be able to come close to him and experience something you have never experienced before? What is it that God is drawing you into him with? May we not whine or complain. May we come. And all of God's people said, don't miss it. Every pain, every heartache, every sorrow, it's a draw. It's a moment for us to grasp that this world is broken. And that we are not alone. We know the one who has all authority. And while we are on a journey in this world that is broken, and while we long to have this sin forgiven, and while we long for eternity to come, know this, your God is right here with you. What do you need to give to him? What heartache can you hand over to the one who has all authority? And get real with your God right now. Like, Lord, I'm giving you this.
I can't wait for you to have it. Jesus Christ comes with promise. And he brings us on a journey. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen. Third, be amazed and in awe of all that he does for you. Be amazed and in awe of all that he does for you. Jesus has just looked down and looked up and looked down with a smile and said, son, your sins are forgiven. And there's doubt in the room. And he looks over and he goes to the leaders of the doubt. He goes to the scribes. Why are you questioning in your heart? Why are you doubting? Which is easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or rise and walk and go home? Which is easier? Well, clearly, anything that can't be measured is going to be easier. And they look at him as if to say, yeah, you took the easy way out. And so he says, that you may know that I have the power to forgive sin. Know this, you are looking at the one who says you're forgiven and it's true. You are looking at the one who is God of the universe. You are looking at the Messiah, Savior. Hang on. Rise. Stand up, take your mat and go home. Everybody up on the roof grabs each other. Dude, here comes. Imagine you're that paralytic guy. And you're laying on the bed. And he says, rise. And you're like, oh. And all of a sudden, you feel your legs able to move. Your arm, you are able to roll over. You literally, you stand up. What happens in the room? <gasps> right? Absolute gasp. As everybody goes, whoa. Don't you take a step back on that? You're standing there. He's like, rise, stand up. Oh, oh, oh. He stood up, and now the buzz goes. And all of a sudden, the guys on top, you know they're leading the charge, right? The guys on top of the roof, they're like, woo! Yeah, baby! This is unbelievable! Woo! Now they're high-fiving or whatever they did back then 2,000 years ago, right? Some kind of celebrate moment on the roof, right? And uh, you know one of the guys was like, dude, watch out for the hole. Don't fall in, right? <laughs> right? Unbelievable! And now the buzz inside, they're celebrating, there's clapping, there's laughter, there's joy all over the place. And the people in the street are saying, what happened? What, what just went down? Dude, that paralytic guy just got healed. He's walking. And they're like, come on. And Jesus said, rise, take up your mat and. So he rolls up his mat, stands up. Puts it under his arm. Good to see y'all. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. I'm obeying. I'm going home. Starting to walk. Excuse me. Pardon me. And now everybody in the street is like, dude, that's the paralytic guy. That's the guy who was standing on the street, right? 
as he walks out and walks his way home, and every single person that sees him, he goes, Jesus healed me. That's what's going on. I trusted in my God. I had faith, and I'm walking, man. This is my God. And all of God's people said, amen, Amen, man. Huge. It says he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went up before them all so that they were all amazed. Jaw dropped. They glorified God. They celebrated the king because Jesus gave glory in the right direction and led right to the awesomeness of our king. And they were saying, we never saw anything like this before. This is amazing. He speaks and paralytics are healed. He touches and the lepers are healed. He commands and the demons leave. He teaches and my life is rocked. That is your savior. Do you know him? Are you trusting in him and coming to him? Man, please hear me. That room, that house did not have coffee cups that fall and ding. Is <laughs> that hilarious? Perfect timing. <laughs> I'm telling you, when we were standing on the edge looking into the foundations of those homes and going, one of these homes right here was the moment where they cried out and went, he's walking. Your God has all authority to heal and that's nothing. Your God has all authority to forgive sins for all eternity. Our temporal, yes, he can do things, but the eternal is managed by Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, know this man, if we believe that Jesus Christ is risen, if we confess him as our Lord, we come close and say, you're in charge, we are saved. He legit is looking down at you and smiling and saying, son or daughter, your sins are forgiven. Rise, stand up. You're going to walk with me for all eternity. We're together. Man, we need Jesus. He is our hope. He is our salvation. May we lean on him. I need Jesus. Everybody just say it out loud with me. I need Jesus louder and bigger. I need Jesus louder and bigger. That's what was rumbling through those streets. That's what was thundering in that house. I need Jesus. I'm bringing this struggle to my God and I'm trusting him whatever he sees fit. May God get the glory. And all of God's people said, let's pray. 